Hello, listeners. Guten Nacht and Buenos Noches, and welcome to Uber Cinco, the podcast where we deep dive top fives. I'm Nathan Henenfent, your host for today, where our two contestants will reveal and defend their top five awkward social encounters. <laughs> In the den today, we have, from his vacation hideaway in beautiful Bayfield, Wisconsin, the Lord of the Manor, the Prince of Wales, the Earl of Sandwich, the Duke of Edinburgh, His Royal Highness, Brian Ernst. Brian, how's he doing? Oh, it's great to be here. Great to be here. (laughs) How's Bayfield? As beautiful as always? Not as English as you're making it out to be. (laughs) uh, It is quite nice up here on the lake that is the superiorest of them all. Beautiful. All right, facing off against Brian, strolling the parapet of St. Paul's Basilica in Minnesota, we have the priest of the parish, the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Bishop of Rome, His Holiness, Mitch Brinkman. What's up, Mitch? Hello, uh, peace be with all of you. May the spirit wash over you and provide you grace. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I love listening to my top five so awkward social encounters. I think this might be one. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right, if this is your first time in the Uber Cinco Den, let us wake you out of hibernation with a quick rundown of the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we'll move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber Stereo. You will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber stare down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. And as a reminder, don't forget to stick with us until the end of the show where I, Nathan Henenfent, will give you my Fast Five send-off where I'll rattle off the definitive list of the top five wives of Henry VIII. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long list. <laughs> All right. And uh, as host, I'm entitled to institute a house rule. And in fact, I've decided that today we will be playing by the classic Littleton rules of Ubersinko. The key features of this variation are, of course, that any player who employs the Brandenburg opening will be able to reverse on any diagonal outside the second parallel. However, if their opponent counters with the Rushton defense, it will be considered laying an offside trap. And so, bearing that in mind, Mitch, will you please start with your number five? Um, yeah, thank you so much. And as, a, of course, an Anglophile, um, everything you've been saying to, so far has been great. And I love it. And I understand all of it, too. So, um, moving all right. forward. All right. Three yep. points. Brian, you're number five. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, hey, Nathan, after this, let's go uh, kick around at Kensington and get some donor kebab afterwards. Yeah. And maybe a warm beer, uh, of course, before 9 p.m., before all closes. Um, okay. Number five on my top five. Uh, uh, awkward social encounters. I'm calling it. You guys know I love to 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 title my my things. I'm calling this the self checkout, and this is when you're operating the self checkout at Jewel Osco here in uh, Chicago, and the overseer person of the checkout area accuses you of ringing up very nice apples 
as bad apples um and then returns and then you're like no no these these are no these are uh honeycrisp of course the, the number one apple those are the best the sweetest uh invented uh, right here uh in minnesota at the university of minnesota um shout out to uh to my homeland um but then they come back later and they accuse you of stealing plastic bags during your order and they come up behind you and they say did you pay for the bags you just took and which forces me to say yeah yeah i did and then but they don't believe me so I have to show them my receipt, and I think this is just because, in my estimation, I am a very quick self-checkouter. I swipe like a pro. Um, I watched them do it as a child. I always went with my mom. I was the one that had to pack the bag, so I watched them work, and I know where the barcodes are. I do it quickly. I do it efficiently. I don't go, hey, uh, how do you how do you ring out these uh, these lemon cookie things? No, I know exactly where the barcodes are. I go for it. I do it quickly. Um, but then what I do, though, after they accuse me twice, this has actually happened, I steal a bag of ice on the way out, and I get my revenge. So um, that's my <laughs> number five. Uh, so I, I do have a couple follow-up questions. Yes, please, The please, first please. one is, so they're accusing you of ringing up Honeycrisp apples as something like you know a disgusting like uh, Fuji apple or something. Yes, I mean, well, oh, hold on, hold on. Don't don't poop all over the Fuji. Fuji's pretty good, but well, you know, but it's, like it's a, no Honeycrisp. Yes. Yeah, correct, so, correct. So yeah, how I mean, this? How closely are they watching over your shoulder to come up with this? I mean, if I'm working, if I'm this self checkout guy at Jewel, like, is this a rent a cop? Like, what's going on? Who is who is this, surveying this is, that closely to even this, come up with this hypothesis? This is like a 54-year-old woman um, who who I who's been working there since I've I've lived by this by this store, um, and you know she's she can be nice, but also she's very blunt. She's very direct, and I think maybe because I plopped it on the scale and I I looked up and remembered the the PLU code three two eighty three right yes of course uh-huh. and I boop, 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 popped it right in. I'm thinking what she thought in her head was he looked at the Red Delicious code, put it in his head, and went over there quick and she was trying to do like a quick checkout and throw it on the side, you know, and hide it away so no one would notice. Um, that's, you know, if, if someone who, who, who cares too much about specificity like myself, if I was working that, that's what I would think. You know, these people are trying to sneak these nice apples past, you know, in, in a garbage apple price. But, um, but also being accused of stealing a seven cent plastic bag is never fun, and <laughs> and she did it loudly, and there was other people standing around, and the Jewel Oscar I shop at has a lot of um, judgy white people, and so uh, even though I don't actually care what they think, but I also kind of feel like I don't want these people to to even think for an inkling that I'm trying to, you know, uh, uh, slip out with a couple extra, you know, thin plastic bags, you know. Uh, and so it's just always awkward too. I don't know. I, I've, I feel like- I've got to come to this grocery store because if uh, if that's what uh, this checkout overseer is, she's watching that closely and she's got this figured out. Like Gertrude over there, she's playing 3D chess with her right? job. She is not messing around. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, normally you would think um, I could throw down some, some short grain white rice, or no, sorry, excuse me, some some Arborio Italian rice, something you'd use to make risotto, plop in the old, like, you know, uh, garbage can, run-of-the-mill short, short grain white, 
and get it for a great price. You know, you'd think that, but they they must have also because let's be honest, people will steal when they can little bits at a time. They've got their eyes open and they've got their eyes ready. So, um, and- so then the the second part is I want to know about the the revenge heist, the stealing sure. of the ice, the purloining sure. of the frozen water. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, you guys both live in Chicago or uh, areas around it, at least. Um, the the drinking water doesn't taste great. So when you put that into ice trays, we don't have an automatic ice maker in our uh, fridge. The ice changes the flavor of your drink and so we buy ice at the grocery store so we have good quality ice and again you guys know me i am a i am a i'm a junior mixologist you know i i care about the flavors that go in my mouth and uh and that good clean quality ice is important to me and so we always need it so like i I figure uh you know uh this is this is my little win against you know the big corporate jewel uh, puppet master who's trying to like you know impinge on my apple sales. So, but uh, as much as I enjoyed the uh, commentary on Chicago's water quality, sure. How how do you pull off the stealing of it? Is this oh. you just? It's the ice machines outside. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's the it's it's the stacked freezer, but it's like on the edge near the red box and the uh, and the um, and and the lotto cards machine. So, so we're like, we're outside the front door. It's no, no, no. It's still, it's still next to the self checkout area. But like oh, once okay. you've, once you've left there, they kind of think, okay, he's done. They're done. They stop looking at you. But you're, you're supposed to ring it up in the system before you leave for the it's, ice. It's the, it's the honor system thing. Correct. Or like Correct. perhaps they have some watermelons at the front, and you can say like, oh, I. They said I can just like yeah that sort of okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, as, a for, as a former member of the Jewel Osco machine, sure, uh, I will say it is easy to get away with such forgery at the at the self checkout line. Sure, when when I had to work uh, either the seven or eight a.m. shift, I would pull a little sleuthing myself. I would <gasps> go and get three donuts. Oh my god! But only pay for one. <gasps> no, with my Brian. chocolate milk. And then I would go eat them alone while sitting on the ice inside the freezer. Oh, my God. (laughs) That was the start of my shift. Anytime I had to work an early bird on the weekend, I'd get three donuts, sit cross-legged on the pallet of ice inside the freezer, close the door, and just chow down (laughs) my sad little life. (laughs) I bet bet that gave you the energy to attack your to-do list, though. I tell you what. Eh, it just slowed me down. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Well, all right. Uh, well, Brian, uh, why don't you go ahead and, and build on that uh, awkward little story and give me an awkward number five. Yeah. So my awkward number five, I'm calling it the U2. Um, this is where you have a, a, a pleasantry with uh, some sort of transaction, transactioneer. You're either at a movie theater, uh, at a restaurant, or something like this, and you're you, is mainly for Midwest folks, people who have that ability to want to say please and thank you and over appreciate it, all that sort of stuff. We want to be able to get that. So, say you're buying popcorn at the counter when you could go to a, a to a movie theater, and they say enjoy the movie, and without thinking, go oh you too, and you walk away, <laughs> and then you think oh. <laughs> That doesn't work. And then you just sit with that anxiety in the back of your head like, that was dumb. That person thinks I'm stupid. God, why did I think that? Or oh, just someone brings over, the waitress or waiter brings over your food, sets it down, just enjoy your dinner. Oh, you too. 
What? <laughs> what is wrong with me? This, how about how about like a. Uh, at, at a funeral, oh, sorry for your loss. You too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like uh, sometimes people would say you lead a convenience store or something. Yeah, see us again soon. You too. What? <laughs> Who sooner, am I? Sooner than you think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is even worse when you're with other people in your party that are a party to this. And they're like, you say that, and they're like, did you even hear what you said? Like, I know what I said. <laughs> Don't yeah. shame me again. I'm feeling enough of it as it is right now. <laughs> I mean, have you ever have you ever done the next level one though? Have you ever done the like accidentally calling somebody? Uh, like, I, I remember like hearing kids when we were little, and I I'm sure I did this at once at all. Like, if you're like in second grade, and then you accidentally call the teacher mom, or then like you. <laughs> Like it, was I, first, it was first grade, and it was Miss Redmond, and yes, I did it. Yeah, and or like, or or, or worse, you call your mom Mrs. Redmond. Yes. <laughs> or the or like the the ultimate one is of course like ending like a business phone call with like, okay, love you. Yes. <laughs> I think those all fit in the uh, you too category. That's yeah. exactly uh, that kind of awkward moment. Encounter. I would. I was gonna say I was at the AMC River East twenty uh whatever it is in in uh, Chicago and I went to McGuffin's their bar, um in between the first and second movie that I was going to remember from previous weeks uh, I, I enjoy a, a little marathon and he I steals get, ice he steals movies yes I do yes I do um, <laughs> people of St Paul lock up your daughters this is <laughs> this man is dangerous. I take what I deem mine. Um, so, uh, but but the bartender hands hands me the beer and I'm leaving and he goes, he's like, hey, enjoy. What are you seeing? And I went, hey, thanks. Yeah, you too. <laughs> and then he goes, what? And then I went, oh shit, shit. And I was like, oh, and I stopped. Run away. And I was like, you know, four feet from the bar where I could have just turned and left. But then he's like, no, what are you seeing? And then I panicked because I had already seen one. So I was about to say the first movie I saw, which, you know, could have been like Born Supremacy or whatever. But then the next one was like whatever, you know, recent Jason Bateman, uh, Jason, you know, Horrible Bosses 2 or something. And then whatever I said, I think it was Horrible Bosses 2. um, I was like, "Uh, yeah, Horrible Bosses 2. And he's like, and he goes, wait, but that's not starting for like 30 minutes. And I was like, (laughs) uh, and I was like, well, you know. I mean, I I like to get here early, and then I just turned around and walked away, <laughs> just off down the hallway. And I, you know, he didn't call any any security, of course. Um, thank God. But uh, but that's what gets you in trouble if you don't listen, if you don't respond um, dynamically, you know, to those to those things. So I had a similar uh, I had a similar experience at Disney World. <laughs> Uh, at the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular, yeah. <laughs> um, I was I was 16 years old, and th- th- so when we were there as kids, like in '94, my dad got called out to be part of the like. Some people get called in the audience, and you go down, and there's a thing, and there's like a plant who goes down and is all goofy, and it turns out he's also a professional stuntman. Uh, mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Uh, whatever, but uh, doesn't so matter. It's my dad, had, gone. my dad had got to do it in '94. We're there in like '03, and I like they they announced at the beginning. They're like, uh, you have to be 18 or older to do this. But I got get caught up in the moment, like me, me, and like not thinking that actually picked me. And so they pick me, and then they <laughs> take me to like they put you in like costumes and stuff. 
And so this guy, who was probably like 22 at the time, he was like, how old are you? And so I said, 18. And he goes, <laughs> what year were you born? And I said, 1983, because <laughs> I just couldn't think. And he's like, then you're not 18. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, touche. But anyway, he, he, let me, he let me go on and do the show. But needless to say, the guilt just ruined the rest of the trip. So. <laughs> You're not going to be able to do that again anymore. They tore down that 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 whole experience to, to build Star Wars land. So oh, now you'll well, never get to go back uh, and relive your awkward days. Although I did get called up to do the uh, Pearl Harbor uh, spectacular thing at uh, wait Holly- what wait yeah. why is there a Pearl Harbor spectacular Pearl Harbor the movie it's about doing visual effects it's at Hollywood Studios okay it's about- so, so so it's not yeah. about like watching your no, friends get it's, killed it's by the, Japanese cur- no, fighter no. planes okay it's a very spectacular similar si- <laughs> <laughs> very similar situation they dress you up put you out there. Okay. Have you act out a few things, and at the end they cut you into the movie, and when you walk out, you get to see that you were okay. being that's, bombed. That's by the still, that still feels a little tasteless. That still feels a little tasteless. Like yeah. there's still people al- alive who like yeah. were. I don't know. Anyways, I'm gonna go ahead and give you some scores. <laughs> uh, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, Brian, that was. I mean, I think. I think the fact that we all could jump in there and we all have specific <laughs> examples of that, like that's that's an all-time classic, uh, universal awkward moment. So three points for that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Mitch, that was uh, boy, you took us on a journey there. I, you uh, know. First, first you were the victim, but then you were the criminal. I mean, I'm conflicted here. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, this you put me in a moral dilemma, so I can't I can't go to either extreme. So you get two points. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, and then. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, Brian. Uh, why don't you lead us off for the number four? Number four is something that I happen to run into every time I go to do this chore, and I never, ever, ever want it. I've never asked for it, and it's always there. And it's a chatty barber. Mm. Mm. Getting your hair cut for me is a silent transaction. I want to go in there. I want to sit down. I want to say, hi, please, thank you. I want them to do their job. I don't want them to ask me any questions. I want them to not be distracted, get done in 10 minutes or less, send me out the door. That's are what we, I are we, we're, Wait, we're still talking about haircuts, right? Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. I- but that's, that's fair. Um, Yeah, I just I don't like talking to somebody that either has razors or clippers near appendages on my head. I just don't. And also, I don't care. I never have the same barber. I don't go to the same place every time I go to what's nearest, closest, available, whenever my hair's thinning. There's there's not a lot of things to do there. It's the same damn cut every time. There's nothing to style. So I don't need to have a consistency in my life in that area. Just get the job done. I just want to make sure my hats fit and I sweat less. That's all I'm going to you for. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's I don't want to talk to 
my hairstylist. Brian, how many times have you said that line to a to a person cutting your hair? I want my hats to fit, and I want a sweat <laughs> Every damn time. Every that, day. Okay, all right. I'm pretty sure that's what's written in my like uh, my customer bio at Great Clips. <laughs> like, I, I I feel like this is just a covert operation where you're just going from barber to barber. And never tipping, and you, but you never see them again because you're just jumping around getting the simple haircut. So you're Do you just, tip, no, no, no. Brian? Do you tip? No. If they talk less, I tip more. <laughs> so talk less, tip more. Think about that. If the, if the quieter they are, the more money I leave. So I'm leaving fifteen to twenty percent, regardless. Yeah. If they don't talk to me and I'm out quick, they're getting twenty five thirty. So. I think I, I think you should get those weird business cards printed up that some older weird men have where the card says like Tom, man about town and like lists out, you know, like loves the bears, loves a good cheese and a fine wine. But yours just says, Hi, my name is Brian. <laughs> I have a disorder. Don't speak to me. <laughs> I, I want my hats to fit. <laughs> I and I want to sweat less. The less talking you do, the more tip you get. And just hand them that card and be like. <laughs> that's, uh, even, that's the better. Like, I don't even have any preliminary conversations. That's yeah. fantastic. I love then, this idea. And then like maybe the, you have a picture printed out of some, you know, some haircut that you always like. It's, it's on there and be like, check, this is the, this is the reference, you know. And, the, and then the socially awkward part of this encounter is when they do start talking to you and you don't want to talk. Yeah. And they're like, so, oh, yeah. what you doing? I'm getting out of town this weekend. Just wanted to get this done. Where are you going? Who are you going with? How much mm-hmm. money you bring in? Well, like someone asked me. <laughs> Sometimes they get deep. Wow. I don't want to wow. have these conversations. I've, I've, uh, I've had my hair cut by a barber once, once, um, and it was when I was in London. I was preparing for a movie role where I had to play a rather. Uh, it was a short film where I played a. Uh, very not well-to-do, dorky, awkward guy who lived in a trailer. And I went in and I was like, I explained what I had to do. And he was like, oh, I, I know exactly what to do for that. And then he proceeded to give me the worst haircut I've had in my entire life. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, looking in the mirror and I was like, I've got to admit this is absolutely perfect. And he's like, do you want to, do you want me to change anything? And I was like, no. <laughs> so, I, so I walked around for the rest of the month just looking like an... And I had to... I, I mean, as those of you watching on the video feed will see, I still can't grow a beard. And this was eight years ago when I could grow even less of a beard. So I had to walk around London with that terrible haircut and this awful facial hair for like a solid month. And, uh, well, that's the end of the story. It was... Wow. Uh, so anyways, uh, I and, and also, like, obviously, I don't get my hair cut very often, so this is all a for, foreign concept to me. Yeah. And, and, you know, of course, I come from a different a different place, too. I've, I've had, like, three stylists over the past ten years, you know, and, and we, like, get to know each other, and we chat the whole time. So, you know, uh, I, I – but I, but, but I understand if, it was a, if it's a different cut, it's a different experience totally. Um, Some of us don't get to quaff. Some of well, us have to deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say though, in the past year, just before I went to Brazil last year for uh, our friend Robert's wedding, Flex. I, I, uh, I, I, I got a Groupon. It was twenty bucks for three haircuts. 
from this place called Shy Studio, and I went in, and if he, and I don't know what I was thinking, because of course he gave the Groupon people the fastest, most inaccurate cuts possible, and everything he asked, I, I would answer the questions, and then he would just go, uh huh, oh yeah, uh huh, oh yeah, uh huh. <laughs> oh yeah and then I was like didn't no follow up questions I was like he could ask me anything and I could say anything it would just be uh huh oh yeah uh huh oh yeah and this is that's gonna be my strategy for the rest of the show today you guys are gonna read your list uh huh oh yeah uh, moving on Brian uh huh oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my hair was super long and he, I was done in under 10 minutes that is an unconscionably short haircut for my hair there's a lot of thickness to deal with here so uh, but also I, I just wanna mention Nathan if you ever need a great great haircut you let me know my style is Marky Tilton shout out to Marky I will I will refer you. She's incredible. Does great work. So, all right. I will uh I'll need to see some photo examples, but we'll talk we'll talk after the show. Sounds great. Cool. <laughs> all right. Uh let's see. Uh I think Mitch, it's your turn for number 4. Sure. Uh my number 4 is I'm calling this the interview or slash kicking the tires. And this is just any first date. I think in general, normally something that you find off of uh, the internet. And most first dates, in my opinion, are really – it's just an interview. It's a fact-finding mission mm-hmm. if it's an actual first date, if you're actually interested in dating beyond one. Um, otherwise, you know, it's just two strangers trying to get drunk enough while assessing their risk appetite for how confident they are that the person sitting across from them isn't going to damage them physically or emotionally, you know, if they decide <laughs> to copulate that night. Um but but like the people who don't I feel like who don't understand that that uh, dynamic, who are there who like you ask them a question about their father or their mother or their college, where just those one word answers where they're like, my dad's name is Greg. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah. What about Greg? Is Greg old? Is Greg young? Is Greg dead? What did Greg do? How did Greg affect you? You know, how did like, Greg die? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So like these things were like and you know and me personally you guys know I like to ask questions I'm a, I'm a curious guy but I've been on so many so I, I feel like no I shouldn't say so many I haven't been on that many dates but enough dates where it just felt like I had a list of questions that were pre-typed and I, I just had them on a piece of paper and I'm like I'm just knocking these out you know um, yeah. and once it, once three hours hits you know I'm, I'm getting out of here and this is done um, but but then also where it's happened to me where I go on a date like that and we're just talking and there's no spark. Like it's just literally I'm just trading facts and or, you know, with with someone. But there's really no – like we don't share any, you know, enjoyable um, commonalities. And then at the end of it, because I was talking the whole time and asking questions, they just assume that I was interested uh, and then got offended that I wouldn't. Uh, give him a, a little sweet little peck good night that guilted me into it um you got you got guilted into a sweet little peck good night i got guilted into a sweet little peck good night yeah um it was very awkward and then like two days later at work i texted them i was like yeah i don't this there's i don't like you or we're not gonna go out again they're like all right cool <laughs> that's fine but in the moment I, I i i got the after i was like all right good night you know have a sleep well well hug i'm leaving she goes that's it. Ooh! Like, wow! I was like, "What? What?" And so, yeah, and and then there I there I learned you don't ask too many questions. So 
Uh, <laughs> but man, uh, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> that's just is it? And I, of course, wow. and of course, she just walked all over me, and I was like, "Well, I guess I will kiss you." That you know, and just not good. You know, I should have just said no, thank you. I should have stood up for myself. I was an adult at the time, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I know. I always find. I always find those those first dates if if um you know if if you don't actually find a connection they can be pretty they they can feel like teeth pulling you know uh but or it or can. or like a barber who you just don't want to fucking listen to talk and they're just trying to talk you know yeah. so but yeah well I think those are both two absolute classics uh yeah I you know what's What's how? What's the earliest you can end a haircut, and what's the earliest you can end a first date? Both are very dangerous, um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's tough. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. Everybody's getting two points that round. Okay. Two of them. Uh, and then uh, we're going to look at our old number three. And mm-hmm. uh, Brian, I would like you to start with the number three. You got it. Uh, number three, I'm calling uh, the forced conversation. With either a shitty coworker or one you don't have to interact with uh, frequently. <laughs> the best part of my week is hearing that stare down music. <laughs> Woo! Woo! All right, yeah, we got ourselves an Uber stare down. Uh, this mm-hmm. coincides with Mitch's number two. So we heard Brian's Mitch. Why don't you explain what your number two is? Mine, I'm calling the sleepy waltz, which is the movements you do to try and not be too um, uh, uh, intimate with a coworker that you don't know well, but you're both waiting for the coffee machine to refill. You know, like like the big <laughs> coffee jug has just gone out. You get there and you're like, ah, crap. And you both haven't had your coffee yet, and you're just you're trying to fill that time. You're filling that space. So, oh, all right. Well, Brian, uh, it it was your turn when the Uber stare down started. Therefore, you have the right to make the first move. Off you go. I'm glad you brought up the coffee thing because that didn't make it onto my details list, and that triggers a story. But I'll get there in a second. Uh, I I acquaint this to like. The few minutes where you're the only two people in the conference room before a meeting or the first ones now to join a Zoom chat and you have to sit there and stare at each other's face for five minutes and you're like, you're muted because you don't want to like interact with anybody and all of a sudden they're like asking you a question you have to unmute to engage in this conversation you don't want to have. Um it doesn't really happen. No, right then, you, then then you do the you do the point you, you you put the finger up and wave with this hand, and then you point in a direction with this hand, and then you walk off screen like there's some disaster <laughs> you gotta. Fire! I shit my I shit myself. I'll just be right back. <laughs> <laughs> just, that's a lot of hand movements. I. Um, (laughs) that's for the visual audience sorry uh, people listening Uh, you'll just have to tune into YouTube for that one Um, or this one um, waiting outside like a boss's office like for performance reviews this isn't like a typical setup but it's like or some sort of thing there's a there's a meeting where you have to go see this boss and they're five minutes staggered apart and there's that little bit of overlap where you're sitting there and you just gotta be like 
It's kind of like being waiting outside the principal's office. Like, what are you in for? I don't know. What do you, do you know what this is about? Did you talk to Bill? What the hell is, uh, whatever. But the coffee machine is perfect because there was a place I used to work where one floor of the building had a good coffee machine where the, the floor that I was on had the standard burnt bottom, we only put Folgers in there kind of mm-hmm. coffee. Mm-hmm. But if you took the stairs down one floor, and this was a, uh, they were connected. So you could just go down this tiny little staircase right in the middle there and just offshoot was a full on multi-espresso, multi-coffee flavor, whatever machine. You press a button, something fancy comes out. Long story short, people got wind that this machine existed and it started emptying a lot faster, which meant these awkward encounters became a lot more frequent while you're waiting for someone to put beans in or the water tank to heat up or whatever. And they eventually got rid of this machine because they realized that people from other floors were coming and using it. So they just got rid of it. <laughs> so everybody lost out because they're like, it's not our machine anymore. I'm like, all right, well, we're going to take it away. But that's, oh, whatever. So they found out that too many people were waiting for coffee and not working. So they took the machine yeah. away. Yeah. So those conversations are horrible. In, in my experience, it was a, a, a break room. This is what I, why um, this one comes from. Break room that serves the entire building. So, you're, so we're talking not just one floor, mm-hmm. but we're talking multiple floors. So you're seeing people that you might not know the name of. Maybe they're new people. Maybe you yeah. know their name, but you don't know anything about them. Maybe you accidentally call them by the wrong name, which I did a number of times. Um, <clears throat> and it had, uh, you, you know those, those pump, the, like, like the pump carafts? You guys yeah. ever seen those? So the setup was they had two pump carafts, but they always insisted upon having one carafe of decaf. And my thing is like, let the fucking decaf people go get coffee somewhere else or put the craft somewhere else, you know, like not on yes. the main main yes. uh, coffee rack. So you always had to be making fully caffeinated coffee. And so then again, I would be standing there and people, you know, you, you do that dance where you're like you, you get your cup and maybe you like go over to the fridge and you fill it with half and half, maybe a little sugar, like what, what some people liked, you know, you come back over, maybe you're checking your phone and like, but it doesn't, it's not a quick brew for this giant machine. It takes a little bit. And so you never be have to say something and everyone inevitably has to look up from their phones and then you get the like, oh, if, oh I haven't had my coffee yet. And you're like, yeah, no, obviously, yeah, we're both, we're both, our eyes are bloodshot. Yeah, clearly we both need it here. Or, you know, the thing we're like, hey, so how's it, how's it on set on uh, 4-7? Oh, busy. Oh, busy. Busy, busy, busy. Everyone's just trying to, you know, pretend like they're busy. Or they say, another day in paradise, right? And you're like, I I know it's not another day in paradise. Don't say that to me. I know you're sad. Don't say that to me. And so, sorry, Brian, go. Classics of uh, living the dream. Oh, living the dream. Yes, of Uh, course. uh, Working hard or hardly working. Yep. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Or there's the classic counter to live in the dream, and then the other person says, somebody else's dream. (laughs) (laughs) 
I get that one a lot. Oh man! All right. I have to. I have to tell my favorite ever awkward coworkers story. There is a. This was many many years ago when I had a, a corporate job, mm-hmm. and there is was this, an is IT this from guy. The same place where you um uh, were under the table and uh, pulled that little maneuver where you ran around the hall the hallway. And this is yeah. This is okay. the place. <laughs> and uh, so there is there is this IT guy who would just he would just talk my ear off, and it was never pleasant. And then he found out that, because uh, I was in film school at the time, and he found this out, and he goes, oh, I hear you're in film school. I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, you need to talk to me. And I was like, I don't <laughs> like where this is going. And he's so he was commuting on the Metra into downtown Chicago. He's like, yeah, we got this group. There's like six of us who ride the Metra every day, and <laughs> we think there should be a show about us. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sure there shouldn't. But then he's like, I have all these ideas for commercials. Keep in mind, this is about 2012, and his idea for the commercial was, all right, so the NBA All-Star team, 2012, remember this, the NBA All-Star team is in a bus for some reason, and they're driving through the desert, and they run out of gas, and there's a mirage of a Pepsi machine. And then they can't get to it. And then Shaquille O'Neal, 2012, mind you, <laughs> um, for the non-NBA fans out there, Shaq had was 10 years past his all-star days at this point. Yeah. And uh, it's like, so Shaquille O'Neal walks across the desert and he picks up the entire Pepsi vending machine and pulls the top off and drinks Pepsi out of it. And then he went silent and I was like, that surely isn't it. And he was like, pretty good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, we made the commercial. Shit. It didn't really work out. <laughs> <laughs> My, uh, th- just to close this up real quick, I had a former coworker who, when I'd go down to get coffee, like 10, 10 30 or whatever, she, I think she started very early. I'd be, I was also one of the few people when I was out, I would actually make another batch. Um, which like most people don't. To. Yeah, yeah, like you're supposed to. And so I'm making another batch and I'm hanging out. And after a while of these awful conversations where people are just like, eh, you know, seventh floor, uh, we work hard or like we don't work hard at all, whatever. I would just like start talking to people. I'd be like, hey, Darren, how's it going? You know, I wanted to tell you last night I made spaghetti. And um, with the spaghetti, I had bread. It was good, good bread. I made some broccoli. I would just describe just plainly what I had done the night before and just like trap people and listening to me. But this one woman, I think her name was Gloria. I don't remember exactly, but on this morning and it happened, this is the first time it happened multiple times after that. She was warming up her lunch at like 10, 10 30 and her lunch was leftover Burger King. And she was popping it in the microwave to zap it up, you know, nuke it good, get it hot again. And I asked, and I was like, so, so the Whopper, it, it, it reheats? Like, is it, is it good again? <laughs> and Gloria looked at me, and she couldn't tell if I was joking or not. Thank God she thought I was serious. And she, and she says, yeah, just as good as it was two days ago. It had been a two-day freaking Whopper. Oh. I almost just threw the coffee machine on the ground and jumped out the window. I was and like, beat her so good. Yeah, I was like, you let that sit in the work 
freaking fridge for two days. Yeah. So and, 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 um, and you cannot reheat a fast no. food burger. No. Because then you're biting into hot mayonnaise, hot lettuce, and on a, just a ripened hot tomato. Right. What's well, disgusting? Yeah. It was. I was. It it churned my stomach good. I hope um, the hot mayonnaise killed oh, her. God. That's what oh. I hope happened. Yeah. Oh, well, on that pleasant note, uh, we'll end the round. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I talked so, about murder. <laughs> so, I mean, part of me wants to give you both zero points since we had to talk about coffee, and I've never had a drink of coffee in my entire life. But I am legally contracted to award somebody three points and somebody zero points. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian, I was excited about the uh, uh, talking about the floor where there's the... You know, we have the floor where there's this the secret place and every yeah. it, when I worked in the John Hancock building here in Chicago, I worked on the twenty eighth and twenty ninth floor. I'll tell you what, if you needed to use the bathroom, you head down to the thirteenth floor. Anybody who's all of our listeners who are working there right now, thirteenth floor. Mwah. Just absolutely primo facilities. Uh, <laughs> chef's chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, but then uh, Mitch, you 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 brought it home with that, that Burger King story, which I think might be the most awkward uh, work story I've ever had, so mm-hmm. I have no choice but to award you with three points. Huzzah! <laughs> God. Thank you very much. Damn it, do I respect that decision. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, uh, but, I Nathan, I just want to mention citing recent medical studies, uh, coffee. Uh, consumption does help with heart disease down the road. So just give it a think. I don't know. It would. Well, uh, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not go on my rant. Uh, we'll, we'll keep playing the game. Sure. You, you, you <laughs> can take it rectally. Just saying. Ooh. Will, oh, that's a good point. All right. From this day forward, I will start shoving coffee up my ass every morning. Coffee Thank enemas. You guys. Coffee enemas are a real thing, and they're much better with cold brew, not hot coffee. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, well, you guys, we're spoiling next week episode of Top 5 Substances to Butt Chug. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that needs to be a... F- oh, wow. Wow. I want to bring Conti back just to be an audience member for that one. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, Mitch, that is going to bring us on to your number three. Have at it. Uh, yeah, so my number three is called the Whoa, 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 whoa Occupado. Um, and <laughs> you guys both know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, this happened to me most recently. Uh, my uh, Some family was at the house, and uh, my uncle just opened the bathroom door without knocking. Um, and when I was like, hey, I'm hold on, I'm in here, he goes, oh, well, you're just so quiet. Blaming me for it, not for the fact that he didn't think to knock at a bathroom door. So um, he, he only would not open a door if he hears just absolute ludicrous spraying of diarrhea all around. <laughs> like, is that what's going on here? <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I was so confused. And then, like, but he also, he didn't he didn't step back. Also, in the, in the time of COVID, it's like, he didn't step back and give me space to get out of the bathroom easily. He just he stood right there at the threshold and maybe like side saddle out or side sidle. You know, and I was like, "What are you do? What is this right now?" I was very I was very thrown off. Um, so, wait, so you were you were you were uh, post ablution then? You were uh, yes, yes. Okay, I, well, thank God for that. Yes, and uh, uh, I um, 
they, they had come over and also didn't wear masks into the house too. So you're like, oh, cool, sweet. Thanks for not doing that. And then just going in for the hug. Yeah. And I was like, not good. But uh, minutes after they arrived, I'm upstairs. I use the restroom. I also brush my teeth because I realize uh, that I hadn't brushed my teeth in a while. So I brush my teeth quick. And then, and then the door just opens. And I'm like, whoa, 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 occupado, you know. And then, and then I get chastised for being too quiet. Uh, so that's, I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever been walked in on the bathroom. It's happened to me in bars before, you know, with uh, stalls that don't lock properly. Or, uh, again, people, why is it always older white guys who just assume that they get to walk into any bathroom there is? And you're like, and you're like what are you doing? Just knock. Just give a knock. Give a holler. And I will respond. So, um, well, in in my to counter this, to defend your uncle to some extent, in yeah. my family, yeah. in my family, if you're in the bathroom, you have to constantly be humming La Marseillaise, the French national anthem. <laughs> so if you're in there, la, 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 da, la, 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 so you know, there's no question. So you know, think about it. Also, I, I just want to be clear: uh, the, the the Brinkman family bathroom does not have saloon doors. All right, this is a normal door. Uh, <laughs> you can't just punch through and you're in. You know, um, so the I'm- room the room in the basement at my grandparents' house, which included like the downstairs basement shower for all the farm guys legitimately had saloon doors. <laughs> I'm not joking. It actually did. <laughs> the bathroom at my parents' house growing up used to have, it didn't have to, it wasn't a normal door at first. We ended up replacing it. It was like this like scissor door. Like that oh. it would kind of like, kind of do one of these. It couldn't lock. And Lovely. It, it was so old. That it had like a little ring on the door so mm-hmm. you can get some leverage to pull it. But mm-hmm. it would never stay completely flat, so it'd be open, and you had like a little slit, like you were in a in a mm-hmm. public bathroom. You're like, mm-hmm. what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. And occupado. It reminds me of my favorite John Mulaney bit. One of his, he's just like, every time I'm in a public bathroom, I feel like I become a, a 1920s carnival barker when someone pulls in the door. Um, someone's in here. <laughs> <laughs> someone's in here. <laughs> well, and, and also, of course, what, normally when this happens, the people who are pushing on the door are most likely drunk. So you're like, Occupado, someone's in here, and they're still just rattling the lock. Just like, no, I think I can get in here. Yeah. No. And then they're like, oh, well, wait, you, you weren't speaking English. How am I supposed to understand? Like, oh, my God. You could hear something. And you then also. Occupado, and I thought you were just like pro immigration, and I don't allow that in my bathrooms. <laughs> Well, and, and in, you know, in restaurants before this, you'd open the door and you could tell also how drunk they were and how bad they had to pee by how close they stood to the door, you know, like how much room they gave you. Everyone knows what I'm talking about here. We're like, you just know that they're just, you know, like their eyes are, are, are glassed over and, uh, you know, it's like they need to pee right now. And that's why they were trying to kick the door in basically. But, uh, yeah, that's always like my, like one of my least favorite things. Especially when someone doesn't give you the space to walk out with your shoulders square. Like, if you have to go side sidle, no thank you. No thank you. So, yeah. But, well, that's uh, that's an easy, breezy, full three points there, Mitch. Oh, thank you very much. Absolutely no question. Brian, number two, please. My number two uh, is the party where you only know one person. Oh, oh, God. Oh, God. 
this is, I mean, this has happened quite a few times in my life, especially around the college years or recently post-college. This is where it's like, oh, I I really enjoy hanging out with this person. They're like, oh, yeah, come by, having a giant party. And it's you are the outlier to their social circle. And you get there and you're just like, you've got no backup. This This is horrible when you're single. This is horrible when it's like, a costume party if this is Halloween and you show up so not only are you miserable alone waiting for the awkward conversations to start by how do you know so and so oh I know him because of this and then you're standing there in a goddamn plastic sheathed Halloween costume and it's just the shame glaze that just sits on your shoulders it's just horrible in the situation mm-hmm. I am not one to spark conversation I, I I am definitely I need I need an in, I need someone to invite me into this circle. Yeah. I am not going to go looking for uh, that invite. So I'm just kind of gonna kind of slowly hang around, make my move. The worst is when you have a beer. At least when you got a, uh, something in your hand, something to drink, you can be sipping it. You're you're doing an action. Then you get to the <laughs> bottom of that beer. You're and doing an like, action. You are nursing that last two sips just so you don't have to either one talk to somebody you don't like who's standing next to you or two make that awkward saunter back to the kitchen where you don't know where the recycle bin is mm-hmm. uh, you gotta sneak past somebody to put it on the counter or throw it in the in the paper bag and then you gotta saunter back over to the outside deck where there's a cooler or whatever and then come back into the hot house where you're already sweating and try and make a friend, and it's just horrible. So, uh, Brian, I, I have a question because my house has gotten hot uh, during some of my party. It, it, is this a description of any of your um, experiences at at one of the shindigs I've thrown? And if it has been, my deepest apologies, because I just assumed <laughs> you you would befriend anyone and ever and anyone around you. So. I, I think by the time I've I've approached one of your shindigs, I have been introduced to at least. Some other folks outside of our normal circle. Sure. So sure. yeah, I mean, uh, unless if you're inviting to a Brian to a bunch of parties I haven't been at, which <laughs> in case we're going to have to have a long discussion when the mics are cut. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so. think so. Uh. <laughs> so I, uh, I don't think that you've been guilty of this because either one, you have a fantastic punch that I can get rosy cheeked on. Oh boy. Whew. Or you got a task for me on the grill where I'm just got I got to watch some pork. That's true. All the way through. That's true. So I'm either given a task or I'm, I'm three sheets to the wind. So that's. Yeah. Uh, you always give me an action, and that's what I like. Yeah. Boom. I guess I guess it is true. I I, I do know that about you. I like you, you. You like to be tethered, or you like to be anchored in some way. Correct. Uh, and that and that does yeah, that does help very much. Uh, no, I, I I totally get that. I. Uh, it is. I've I've been to to shindigs and soirees and uh, parties, if you will, uh, where you only know one person, uh, and then from there you have to sort of like you know uh, whatever like you know d- d- dig your way in, into new territory, um, and and that can be okay sometimes. Like if if you thankfully fall your way into a, a group of folks who have had enough to drink and they're just ready to just kind of talk to anyone, that always helps. But I have been to numerous parties where I go looking for the person I'm looking for, and they aren't there anymore. So now I'm just there, and I don't know anyone. 
And I will say, like, half the time I just leave and you're like, all right, whatever, you know, chalk mm-hmm. it up to a loss tonight. You just go home. But then yep. other times you might, you know, every now and again, you might meet people who end up being fun or you think they're fun at first and then you find out they're sociopaths later. Um, but uh, it, it is it is a very – it's a very difficult tightrope to walk and to balance on. Um, and uh, I feel like honestly – Something like this, like a podcast that we're doing, having these little stories here available, ready to go, you know, drawing people in, you know, like like that helps a little bit because most people are just looking for someone to listen to and then also to share a similar experience with. Like who else has been, you know, butted in on when they're in the bathroom? Everyone has that experience, you know, so – um, I, I don't who, know where I was who going. Else, who else has rectally received coffee every morning? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to share one story. So this is, I, I've been to a number of parties like this, and it is staggeringly painful. But I had one experience that actually worked out to be pretty cool. Um, we're going all the way back to 2008, my first stint when I lived in England. And I had a friend uh, who was studying at Oxford. So I went up to see her at Oxford and she showed me the whole town of Oxford. It's a beautiful place, really cool. Oxford, you know, prestigious university. And um, and I felt very sort of, I was an undergrad. She was a PhD student. So it was, I was just kind of out of my element. And so, you know, she was very gracious. And so she didn't mind that I was just kind of sticking close to her because I was just kind of out of the loop. I was a fish out of water. Did you, did you meet her on uh, Dr. Tinder? <laughs> she's <Sorry. laughs> she's actually uh, one of my sister's uh, closest friends. Oh, sorry. Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And uh, so, you know, she was she was uh, being very gracious and showing me around and taking me along. But then uh, we get to this one party, and so for a very brief time when I was in high school, and there just wasn't a lot then. Like the internet wasn't as prevalent in terms of like showing international sports and whatnot. And we would occasionally get the New Zealand All Blacks rugby team. And so there at this party was a guy named Anton Oliver, who was the former captain of the All Blacks, who I had watched play rugby before. And um, I was like, what the what? What? what?" (laughs) And she was like, oh, yeah, that's Anton. He's he just retired from his rugby career and he's studying like it was something like environmental engineering at Oxford. And I'm like, can I talk to him? And she's like. Anton! <laughs> so, so I ended up hanging out with Anton Oliver all night, and he was like the nicest, most down-to-earth guy, and he's like, uh, he's gone on to like, you know, get degrees, and he's like, so, he's like a New Zealand renaissance man, and just sort of super cool guy, and anyway, like, just randomly, one of these scenarios for me, I fell ass-backwards into meeting this just super awesome guy who I had used to watch kick-ass and rugby on the old Fox Sports channel back in the day. And oh so for that, Brian gets three points this round. Woo! And, uh, that's well, fair. that's, uh, that's going to take us up to number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, go ahead. All right. My number one is when you've missed the valuable part of a conversation and you're trying to crawl your way back to what the hell's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so... You could either be either doing this on purpose or it's been on accident. So on purpose, it's um, someone asks you something. 
oh, did you know blah, blah, blah? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And they're like, yeah, isn't it fascinating that detail A, detail B, detail C? And you're like, yeah, man. <laughs> just what? And then you're caught in your own lie and you can't get out of it. This is the worst when you're just trying to act smart for because we desperately want other people's approval for God knows what reason. Mm-hmm. So there, there's example A. and then Friendship. Example, it's, it's friendship. It's, it's friendship. It, friendship. Yep. Sorry. Keep so going. example B. Or, or sex. Then, Sorry. Or, or sex. Sorry. Keep going. Depending on who you're talking to. Correct. True. True. Um, or it's you literally didn't hear the actual detail that was really crucial to setting up what the button of this conversation is going to be. And again, you are stuck. Now you're not lying on purpose. You're lying just to get to the end of this without looking like a complete and total moron. And usually this ends in crossed wires where someone's talking about this and then you think they're talking about that. And this could be something as simple as we take New Zealand to example. He's, oh, Kiwis, I thought you were talking about the fruit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's just the worst. And it's just like, especially when you got Yes, like, they're, they're extremely chewy and delicious, but they're endangered. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And, I was, and and at the punchline, everyone laughs at a different pitch or it's like timbre than you, and you're like, "Oh shit! Oh I, oh oh I oh I'm not understanding what is going on currently." Uh oh. Uh, yeah. So uh, that that's my number one because I hate being in this situation, and it's hard to pull like an exact moment when this has happened because it happens frequently. It happens. Oh, excuse me. As well, you're either in the middle of a grocery line talking to somebody who's in front of you behind you. It happens while you're at a party. It's either too loud. You can't hear somebody. Or it's happening in one of these coworker conversations where it's just like blah, blah, blah. I remember this happened to me uh, not too long ago, pre-COVID, at a, at a roulette table. I had a very chatty guy standing next to me who was laying down way more money than anybody else. But he was a very friendly, jolly guy. And was keeping the table alive. And then he said something along the I forgot what the actual name is, but he was just like, oh, man, this is worse than when Charles What's-His-Face did you-know-what. He's like, you know who that is, right? And I went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, no, do you know who that is? And I'm like, oh, no, no, I forgot. <laughs> and he was like, that's Chucky, man, from the horror movie Chucky. His name was Charles, blah, blah, blah. And I forgot what he said. And I was like, ah, oh, cool. Can you put this on Red 5, please? Thanks. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So I totally got caught I, up in that one. I, I would like to offer an example of how to turn the tables in this, which mm-hmm. I, I found, I, it's pulled, it's worked for me once. But perhaps you can try it and you'll have some success also to you listeners at home. But, uh, it, this was back when I was in undergrad and I worked as a campus tour guide and I was given a tour and there was this family and they were they were good old boys from Texas and they were and like I could tell they were very wealthy well-to-do Texas family very thick accents that I had a little bit of trouble understanding but I kept on going <laughs> yep uh-huh, uh-huh and they were they were really starting to like not not the accents but just like they were a bit overbearing trying to monopolize my time when my job was to sort of be hospitable to everybody and we walked down an, an alleyway 
or we walk past an alleyway, and this guy he points down the alley, and he says, and I don't, I, I will never know what he was pointing at because the alley was empty, and he said, well, that wouldn't pass military muster, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, so. So I, I, I found myself in this exact situation, and so I, I turned my back to him, because I'm leading the group of, like, 50 people. And I thought to myself, right, the only way I can turn the tables on this guy is to confuse him even more than he just confused me. <laughs> so then I turned back around, I locked eyes with him, and I said, yeah, but it sure is expensive, isn't it? <laughs> And uh, so that family faded to the back of the group. (laughs) And then uh, a few months later, there uh, there was an enormous admissions event. And I was quite flattered because they were back. So I must have done a good enough job. I'd sold them that they were back for like the final decision. And so they were lining up. Everybody was lining up in what groups and you're going to go on like a second more intense tour. And I see at the back, I see the family from Texas. And the guy looks at me. And then he shuffled his family into the next line over. <laughs> so victory was mine. Uh, yeah, stick it to him. All I right. Mean, uh, I believe that brings us to Mitch Brinkman's number one. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, so my number one um, of my top five uh, awkward social encounters, I'm calling this one the busy Starbucks, okay? This is when you're in Starbucks and you're waiting for your drink at the counter, but you're also trying to keep an eye on your computer that's at your spot, you know, at the table, you know, you know, through all the bustle of the patrons. And as this is occurring, a group of loud teens with no fear or shame come inside. They're stomping, uh, commandeering the low lounge chair area, and they stare at you, but you're trying to act, you know, like above it all. You know, like you're an adult, whatever. It's just teens, you're an adult. Um, you don't you don't pay attention to them, and you're hoping well me at least you're hoping they'll leave you alone. Uh, but then one of the little <laughs> ragamuffin dirtbags can sense your awkwardness and yells out to you, "Hey, hey, you by the counter, what are you doing?" But they put just enough stank on the doing to make it sound like you're being off-putting. What are you doing? You know something like that. Uh, you're like I'm not off-putting, and I'm not being creepy either. But really. You're just you're just patiently waiting for your venti cold brew with soy milk and light ice, and it's taking a while because again, the coffee shop is doing good business. Starbucks is bustling, and you look over, and you're not sure if you need to respond either to these fucking teens. But then the evil ringleader, <laughs> this horde of children, with you know everyone's got their lives ahead of them, of course, as well. They pipe up again. What are you even doing? And now this time, again, the stank is on the even, and now his whole band of surly urchins are taking the time to look away from their phones or each other's butts to look at you. And why the hell hasn't anyone picked up my cold brew and delivered it to the drink distribution area? Because I can see it. I can see it, but now I feel stuck, and I should probably respond to this ghoulish hellcat demanding I justify my current station in life. So I finally do. And in a bored tone, I'm trying to, you know, I'm just trying to throw it away. I'm just trying to throw it away, you know, trying to throw away the performance. I inform this piece of booger and his snot ads that <laughs> I'm waiting for coffee. But instead of that being normal in this case, which is always n- normally normal, it is not for whatever reason. And the hyena laughs. A couple of his rat friends join him as they snicker. And 30-year-old me falls through a wrinkle in time. 
as I'm right back at the freshman year bonfire at St. Thomas Academy in Mendota Heights, Minnesota, I've just been punched as hard as Connor McEntee can swing squarely in the right butt cheek, and it goes dead. <laughs> as I limply turn to see him jog away, cackling, groups of my peers all around, whom I don't know well enough yet, are staring and beginning to laugh, and I'm still a freshman, so I can't jump in my Honda Accord and leave, and I'm forced to just stand in it, as they say. The licking shadows of the bonfire just makes everyone look sinister and then I turn back towards the counter as a worker approaches with my venti coffee order finally and they apologize for the delay thank you very much and I completely understand that legally I can't fight this child that has wormed their way into my brain but that doesn't mean the feeling doesn't burn down my body as I head for my seat and in route I subtly check to make sure my shirt isn't riding up and that the whole Starbucks can't see my purple boxer briefs I wore today and I pray the boy forgets my face and his crew leaves soon without further incident. And that's my number one. Uh, oh, dear God. Awkward social encounter. So, Well, I have some thoughts. My first one that I'm most impressed with is yeah. that you painted a very vivid picture of not one but two periods in time. The first when you were in high school. The second when you said you were 30. Yep. The fact that it has stuck with you and now as a man in his late 40s, you're still able <laughs> to <laughs> handle this. I, I'm i still I haunted. Mean, this, I'm still this, haunted. Ghosts are must, everywhere. Yeah. This must have been incredibly difficult. Yep. And then, um, I mean, I'm definitely going to have some sympathy for a guy who had to uh, have his purple boxer briefs exposed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was, in, as a high school student, Roseville High School, the Purple Panthers. So if you don't think I don't own 12 pairs of those bad boys. <laughs> uh, uh, Brian, any, any counters to, to that uh, adventure we just went on? Well, first of all, I'm proud to say we were both Panthers. I did not know that. That's, that's a Wait, fun little fact. You were a Panther? I was a Panther. Proviso West Panthers. Proviso West Panthers and the Roseville Panthers, and this is what the the, the St. Thomas Academy cadets, St. Thomas Academy cadets, yes. Wow, yeah. cool. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, yeah, cadets. Cool. Yeah, I I am unable to come up with humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I passed the the school in uh, I think it was downtown Washburn, Wisconsin today, and they mm. are the uh, the castle guards, not knights. Wow. They are the castle guards. Wow, I was quite fascinated by that. Uh, by that's that uh, that's pretty pretty low. That's like uh, <laughs> being yeah. a, a military academy. The uh, the uh, you know whatever whatever privates. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There is the court I, jester. You guys, to tell you guys a, will be defending the fruit cellar during this raid. So <laughs> <laughs> protect the peaches. Thank you very much. We want our jams come spring. All right. <laughs> there was a. Uh, I, this is completely unrelated, but I can't not tell this story. When <laughs> these, these school, none of these schools still exist. From where I'm from, in the very s small towns in the prairies of Illinois. Did they ever, uh, or were they just all ghosts? They, <laughs> they, they existed when I was a child. And uh, Monmouth High School, Monmouth, Illinois, was their their mascot. Their team name was the Zippers. And then uh, there were a couple other schools in the area, and their team name was the Trojans. And so, of course, the 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 kids would chant. Down with the zippers, on with the Trojans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, oh, classic. Yeah. Classic. Classic. And they and they and and the 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 faculty and the the powers that be the administration really couldn't do anything about it because those were just the team names, you know. Oh <laughs> yeah. god. Uh, my question for you, Mitch, was what these teens? Yeah. What were they trying to rise out of you? I have no idea. It was just a group of teens from Lakeview High School, and they just, I think they just saw a weak target, because you guys know I i don't like teens. I, I, yeah, I, any, fair. It's fair. Any group of teens, I don't, I just get uncomfortable. <laughs> like, again, you can't fight them, but they're always just rowdy. You can't do anything about them. You just have to pretend like they're not there. But then they can just get at you, and they say things like that. And when they said that, like I said, all you know, all of them looked at me, but then other people looked up as well, and you're just like, you're not even ordering coffee. You're just sitting here flirting with each other, making noise and screaming, you know, and I'm just waiting for my for my goddamn coffee. Yeah, so and I hate I hate that that kids of that age made me feel so uncomfortable in that situation. But they did. They did. And uh, so I had to deal with this recently. I spoke at a, a career day at my uh, old middle school, and I'm there talking about the paper as I got some kids snickering in the back about something, and I have never felt so small <laughs> than when a bunch of seventh graders were making some joke I couldn't hear in the back. Yeah. I got, my, my palms got sweaty. My arms were weak. <laughs> oh, 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 God. We all I knew it was going to happen. I went there. But uh, so after I cleaned off the spaghetti, it was like it was just horrifying <laughs> to, just to know that they were out there knowing something I didn't know. And I really couldn't compete. I was there talking about making videos. And the next guy was like a cop who was also like in the reserves. And he's like, yeah, I'm doing like this fancy science stuff on the base. And I'm also like doing this and then I was in the service and I was like man this guy's done stuff and he's only a year older than me <laughs> like I've sat at a computer for 12 years <laughs> so oh god well the time has come to score round number one mm-hmm. and these this was a great number one from both of you and I was fully ready to give you both three points and then uh, Mitch talking about how he was so isolated from these youths, these street youths, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a generation away. And Brian feeling so out of touch with the, the seventh graders, both of you just sounding like bitter old men and both of you being younger than me. I have to take deduct a point from each of you for what you've done to my <laughs> self-esteem here. Wow. Okay. So two points each. Wow. And that's going to be a final score. Brian Ernst, 10 points, and our winner today with 12 points, Mitchell A. Brinkman. <laughs> I, 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 just, I just want to thank, I want to thank uh, my, my, my uh, God, who do I thank? I want to thank my, my headmaster, Mr. Byrne. I want to thank my English teacher, um, um, Mrs. Slazal, and I want to thank my, my science teacher, Mr. Kinsey, for teaching me biology the first time, and it was the right time. So thank you very much to, all, to you three. So. <laughs> All right. Well, the game has been played. A winner has been determined. All that leaves us is for me to read our fast five. The top five wives of Henry VIII. Number five, Catherine Howard. Ooh. Number four, 
Catherine Parr. <laughs> Number three, Anne of Cleves. <laughs> Number two, Jane Seymour. Whoa! Oh, hello. Number one, Catherine of Aragon. <laughs> That's right, Anne Boleyn. You didn't make the cut. Ooh, poor choice of words. <laughs> Alright, and that's this week's edition of Uber Cinco. The man wearing the hat has been... Brian Ernst. And the man who is hatless is... Mitch Brinkman! And I've been Nathan Henenfent, and as Bizbear always says, when you play the game of life, I'd rather be lucky than good. Auf Wiedersehen and adios. You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.